We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. This is the Sooner Sports Podcast. Your all-access pass to Sooner Sports. The Sooner Sports Podcast is presented by Allstate. Are you in good hands? And by Riverwind Resort. Riverwind Resort, the place to be. Oh, mama! What a play! Now, here's your host, Chris Blank. All right. Welcome into the Sooner Sports Podcast. My name is Chris Blank. Thank you so much for subscribing, downloading, and being a part of the Sooner Sports Podcast. We have a very busy show today. We'll continue our series and in looking into what happens once the bowl bit is handed down. Uh, we'll learn a little bit more about the Heisman from a couple of different perspectives. And time permitting, you'll hear from Trey Young. So we've got a busy podcast. Let's not waste any time. Let's get right after it. <laughs> We call our Friday edition the tailgate. Next week, we'll go all in on getting ready for Oklahoma and Georgia for the Rose Bowl. This week, let's start by talking about the process yet again. Kenny Mossman, great podcast. If you haven't heard it yet, go check out our archives. It's a really solid, in-depth look on exactly what happens once you're handed the bowl bid. Well, there's the administration side, and then there's the equipment side. So this week, this dude was... Busy. I mean, we were able to find some time last week to talk for a couple of minutes. He's one of my favorite guys on the planet. Incredible at his job. Caught up with Brad Camp to talk about the equipment side of what happens once a bull bid is handed down. The bull bid comes down. What's the first step for you? What's what's the next step after you find out where you're going and, and where you guys are playing? The next step is figuring out when's the team leaving. <laughs> How far of a drive is it for our trucks to get there? So what day is our last day of practice, and when do our trucks need to leave to get everything there? And then, in addition to that, when is Nike sending us all our bowl stuff? When is everything else coming in? You know, it's just, it's just, it's just uh, I mean, kind of a, 
nightmare a little bit uh, initially, trying to figure out getting too much information to try to organize it and, and put it all together like a puzzle and, and hope it all works. Where, When you go on the bowl site, what what's your primary objective, Brad? What are you looking at whenever you go on the trip to Pasadena and then when you leave uh, next week to go to Atlanta? Well, looking at several things, you know, one of the, one of the main things we're looking at is the practice site. You know, it's looking at you know, how, how many lockers we have with our locker space. You know, we're out in L.A. We've got a couple different locker rooms. We're using the L.A. Galaxy locker room. We're using the Chargers locker room. We're trying to figure out, okay, how many lockers we have. Where's everybody going to fit in? Other coaches' locker rooms. We're looking at painting room space. We're looking at cold tubs. We're looking at weight room space, practice field. What's offered at the practice field? What do we need to bring? What's offered out there? What can we rent out there? Um, you know, go to the stadium. You know, get, get a look at the stadium again. Locker space. How many we have? How many guys we can address? Um, coaches' space. Which sideline are we on? Go look at the coaches' box. Wow. Uh, we'll look, we'll look at, at, at uh, to figure out. You know, to figure. Hey, what's our view from the from the sideline up there? Which sideline are we on? Um, where, the, where the truck going to park, where the bus is going to park, and then we get to the hotel, and, okay, where, you know, I'm, I'm looking at more of, okay, we need space there, you know, we're going to have, have to have a locker room a little bit here in L.A. Because of the Chargers game, we got to move out, so we're going to have to, have to you know, kind of move during the week and, and move things around, and, you know, where's all the luggage going to go whenever we get there? Um, where's, where's the, you know, how's the loading dock to the truck? What kind of truck do we need? If, you know, if we need a lift or if it can be a regular freight truck to back in to a dock, you know, those types of things. Lots, lots, lots to look at. Yeah, I was going to say, so it's not just like one thing you walk in and go, hey, feels nice. All right, guys, let's get going. Uh, Kenny brought up an interesting point when we talked about this, and that is sometimes you'll go to these bowl sites, and there'll be places where you have practices that don't regularly, say, either host a team or might host games. How beneficial is it on this trip to go somewhere that even though it's regularly a soccer stadium, you're able to practice where an NFL team plays? Is that beneficial? Oh, it's certainly beneficial. I mean, it just the Sub Center in general. I mean, it's it's, a, it's an Olympic training site, so they've got so many things there. I mean, that they have a weight room. We're not, we're not having to bring a weight room. Just you know, the, the facility they have there is unbelievable. So, in terms of that, you know, there's a lot less things we're having to bring because of that. You know, and it doesn't help us in terms of you know, field equipment for practice and things like that. But that's that's normal for really anywhere we go. Um, but it, it definitely helps having something that where they're used to housing um, large teams and and sporting events, and everything in that area is just about that. So it, it makes it much more beneficial for us. Brad, how much does it help going to a place that you've played before, going to a place where you've been before? Uh, I've actually not been to Louisville before. I was not here in, I was not here in 2003, um, I, I, or 2002 season, sorry. I had been to Rose Bowl when I was at Illinois. Uh, however, it was just a regular season game, so this was all, you know, this was that was 14 years ago, so it's all, wow. all kind of new again. So then I would imagine – do, do you compare notes then when you went when you were at Illinois or, or from the previous time they went? Or since it's since we're 2017 now, everything's new, everything's different, isn't it? Everything's new, everything's different. Last time I was there, different locker rooms, different wow. different everything, really. So, you know, it's, it's and, and what they've done there has been great. It's going to be a great, great help to us. All right, two more quick ones, and I'll let you go. As you start going through the process of when you're sending your crew out, is that a sit-down between you and Kenny and Maddie and, and Coach Riley, or do you guys try to make sure that everything is in place before you go to the coaching staff? Because like, obviously they're, they're in game prep mode, but how involved is the staff, maybe even specifically Coach Riley in something like this, Brad? Uh, we never really involved the coaching staff in it that much. Um, I mean, really, we're your base, your base having to base everything off of when Coach Riley is going to have his last practice. So right. once he says, this is my last practice, okay, then 
this is when this is when everything's going out. You know, team will come back to Norman. They'll, they'll fly out. Shouldn't be any need for any, any equipment um, for practice back there. So uh, Matt McMillan's obviously involved in that. Greg Tipton, Kenny Mossman, and, uh, and and getting and getting those dates set. But you know, a lot of it's basically and when, when Coach Riley gives, hey, this is my last day of practice. That's when we can start start building out. You know, what trucks are going? How many how many we have? How many kids? You know, how many student managers are going to ride on there? How many people are going to fly out early to meet meet the hotel at, at the hotel to, to take everything to? Um, to help unpack and unload everything. So we've got about 15, 16 people going out to do all that. Wow. You know, I hadn't even thought of that, man. I had not even thought of that from the perspective of there'll still be practices in Norman. So you got to wait until everything's wrapped up here before you could even start shipping a majority of the things you need out to Pasadena. So with that in mind, when is the equipment truck heading out, Brad? When is uh, everyone making their way towards Pasadena? Last day of practice is going to be December 22nd uh, that morning. And all of our equipment will head out that afternoon. We'll have, we'll have two semis go out that afternoon, a couple of students on, on those trucks uh, riding, riding along, kind of help keep the truck drivers awake in their 24- to 28-hour drive out there. Um, they'll get there Christmas Eve at, um, evening at some point. We've got a group set about 15 or 16 of us flying out Christmas Day, and then the team will come out on, on the 20th. I think sometimes we take for granted just how much goes in to every single game day. Uh, I've been blessed to see it firsthand. Now, I haven't had to put in the uh, grit and the uh, hard work that a lot of those guys have when it comes to laundry, setting up practice, equipment, uh, facility maintenance. I mean, there's so much that goes into it, facility understanding. So thanks to Brad for giving us that perspective. The plan is to wrap up this series next week with Greg Tipton, Matt McMillan, and Brandon Meyer to talk about the more on the team side, more on the planning side, and then obviously to lay out a TV schedule. That will start as soon as the Sooners land on December 26th. I am proud to announce that this year's Heisman Trophy winner is Baker Mayfield of the University of Oklahoma. It was a special Saturday in the Sooner Nation. Baker Mayfield became the sixth Sooner to win the Heisman Trophy. Our own Matt Archibald was front and center, giving you all the picks, the video, the inside scoop in New York City. Matt was on with us last year after he went with Didi and Baker. This year, thought we'd have him back on and just talk about the magic of the Heisman Trophy ceremony. I will say uh, we took a bigger crew this year, feeling that Baker was the heavy favorite. Obviously, we wanted to pump out as much stuff as we could. So we took uh, Ty Russell, our photographer, and Tori Kukowski, our head digital guy, uh, to Atlanta and New York. And I was kind of like the... Uh, the shepherd. I knew the. I knew the. I knew the times and how it would kind of go down. So it was kind of nice just to know how the flow was going to work. Like which day was definitely going to be the busy day and where to be when. Um, definitely tried. Uh, I didn't. You know, try to appreciate it just as much as I did last year, which is easy to do because you're at the Heisman and the College Football Awards. But it was. Uh, it was nice to kind of have a, a beat on what was going to happen before you know you get into the thick of it. Obviously, there wasn't a lot of drama because we felt like Baker was going to win. But, I mean, when it finally became Baker's moment, Arch, was it uh, – I don't know. Were you, you weren't actually in the room, right? Or were you in the room this year? I was in the theater. Uh, I was last year as well. But oh. um, this year I left halfway through to make sure that we could push out all the content that we needed, needed to. Service in the basement of that thing is not the best. Um, <laughs> So I went just to go for a little bit, check it out, and then I was watching from the working press room at the Marriott Marquis. 
Uh, but the moment, I mean, I, I fist pumped a little under the table and no cheering in the press box, but this feels like a little different than what a typical was, game. What's uh, it like to have been there the last couple of years? And I mentioned the lay of the land, but also you get to know the families. You got to know Didi's family last year, and obviously you've got to know Baker's quite well, I would imagine, because you're always the guy with the camera in front of their face, and I mean that in a good way, Arch. But what's that <laughs> yeah. experience like to go and have that kind of intimate knowledge of the people involved? It's cool. His family's great. Uh me and Matt Mayfield are, are, are kind of dudes, you know, uh, <laughs> hung out. He, he's a good guy. Baker's, Baker's tremendous. Uh, he, uh, you know, he welcomes us in. I think he really appreciates what we're doing without saying it every single time. We take a cool picture or video of him, but he seems really appreciative of the effort and the work that goes into it as well as his family. And, you know, honestly, when we're there, we're obviously working for OU, but half of it is, you know, let's capture images and things for – you know, Baker and the family that can live, you know, that'll live forever. I mean, these are moments and memories that you're going to want in a scrapbook and a photo album for the rest of your life, you know, being at the Heisman and winning it, of course. So any of those intimate private moments that we could capture, like, you know, we'll be handing over some of those photos and stuff to him. Uh, and it's just cool to be able to contribute to that. Uh, Matt Archibald is hanging out with us. You can see most of the work that he's done at Soonersports.com, also some videos at Soonersports.tv. Do they have restricted areas? How free-flowing is it, Arch, with what you're able to do and how involved you're able to get? Um, they kind of have like an itinerary ahead of time, and it actually listed like if school photo and video could get to certain things. Um, so... Like, the few things that we weren't able to get to were, like, the Wendy's High School Heisman, which would probably be a recruiting violation anyway if we were to go there, so that's fine. <laughs> and then they have, like, a a uh, reception that Friday night, and all the former Heisman winners are in there. So I was there, actually, last year. So I don't know if they changed the rule because I screwed up or did something wrong. <laughs> but <laughs> school photo and video weren't welcome to that. But they do a good job of, like, letting you know, you know, where, where you can be and when it's going to be, and then... You know, I just kind of fall in line. Like, obviously, it's we're there because the Heisman is allowing us to, so I'm not going to try to get in front of the Heisman Trust's uh, photographer, you know, like let him get his thing. But pretty much anything else, I was just running around with their uh, in their schedule and wherever they told us we could be. It was awesome. And it's It was a bucket list experience, I think, last year. So from that, you, you talked about being the leader of the charge. But is it one of those to where you're like, okay, I can get a little bit used to this? It's not just one of those, hey, I won a couple of times, I'm good. It's Is it something that you want to go to again and be a part of again? I mean, it's Captain Obvious moment here. It means the Sooner has done well, right? But <laughs> it's it's yeah. also not one of those events that, hey, I, I went once, it's all good. It's something that's worth it, right? Yeah, I mean, I try not to take it for granted. Uh, you know, going back this year, obviously it was going to be special because Baker was the favorite and we figured he would win, and he did win. Um I guess the one thing I would say, like, if we're only going to have a few seats, like, I think it's something that a lot of people should experience. And I don't want to, like, hog it and be selfish. So if there are others that, you know, we were kicking around the idea of going, like, I would take a back seat. I've been there a few times. It's it's just something that enough people won't ever have the chance to experience it. So I don't want to take a stranglehold and always be the one going. You know, last year we talked about the process, and there was a true kind of Heisman Trophy push. There was a campaign that was put out there, and 
You know, as time progressed, Baker had kind of run away with this award. But, Arch, can you take us to the plan? Because, yeah, there were still pieces that were put out there to promote it, but it was a, it was a little different than last year, wasn't it? Yeah, I mean, I think last year our whole goal was to try to get Baker and Didi to New York and really highlight what makes them Heisman worthy. By the time we had kind of put some effort into a plan and then got to the point where it was time to like execute it, Baker was the heads-on favorite, like way ahead of the pack. And so I think this year is more uh, Mike Halk had that first-person narrative idea, and I think that was really well-received. We tried to push some other video and like uh, imagery to just kind of go along with that. But I think this was more – I think Baker is going to go down as one of the more popular players ever to play at Oklahoma, and his story is honestly one that Hollywood, where we'll be in two weeks, would probably turn down. Two walk-ons. You know, he never really felt like he had a home at any school, and then he wins a Heisman. It just doesn't make any sense. So for people that just hear his side of the story, like, truly and, you know, unedited, and his, his words, I think, really make it make it that special. And I think that was more of the thing. Like, his story, the first Heisman, the first walk-on to win the Heisman, I think, was more of the angle we were trying to, uh, to capture. Awesome stuff. Matt, you're the man. Uh, appreciated hanging with you and your uh, lady friend last night. We had a good time. And uh, <laughs> can't wait to see more of the stuff as we get closer to Pasadena and the Rose Bowl. Appreciate you having me on. Yeah, right. if anyone uh, hasn't seen it, check out that Eisman page that Tori laid out. It is full of good stuff. I'm always infatuated with the voting process. And for those that don't know, there are 22 voters in the state of Oklahoma that help make up this region. The man in charge of those voters – John Hoover. He works, of course, now with our flagship station, 1077 The Franchise. So I asked John, who obviously takes this Heisman vote and his role in the Heisman Trust very seriously. So it was uh, fun to catch up with John Hoover to talk a little bit about the Heisman. Right. And in uh, 2012, uh, my man Dave Sittler retired from the Tulsa world, and uh, he recommended to the Heisman Trophy Trust that uh, he kind of just recommended uh, he was the state representative, and what that means is he coordinates the state votes, and uh, you know he, he communicates and is a liaison between the state voters and the Heisman Trophy Trust. Well, he recommended that I be uh, the person that replaced him. The Heisman Trophy Trust did what they could to uh, to vet me in the process. I'd been a voter for about 15 years, I think, at that point. And uh, they, they did. They asked if I would want to do, be the uh, state representative, and what that means is... Uh, throughout the year, I communicate with Heisman voters in the state. In the state of Oklahoma, we have 22 media voters. Um, there are six regions and 145 voters per region. Each region is broken down into a, a equal population-based type uh, breakdown uh, statewide, and then each state has its own representative. So uh, that's what I do for the Heisman Trophy Trust. I'm the state rep. I, it's, a, it's a lot of emails. It's not as uh, glamorous as it sounds. It's just a lot of emails and and stuff like that. But it's fun. It's a great honor. You know me, Chris. I, I take the Heisman Trophy very seriously. It's it's that one thing in my in my professional life where I shouldn't say one thing, but it is <laughs> it is on the list of things that I take extremely seriously and I will readily admit that I do not mind being stuffy and and kind of snooty on something like this. Uh, it's just such a prestigious award, and it's a great honor to be a part of it. That uh, when the Heisman lays out their their ideas and their rules, I'm I'm all on board. 
You know, and, and it's always interesting to me, and, and I'll say this because you gave me the opportunity whenever you took over in 2012 to have a vote, and that uh, commitment has carried over, John, to me. I take what I do uh, very serious in the process. And in that, there, I love the constant reminders and the clarification of, of what our job is as voters. So just as a general, it, how have you viewed it? I mean, is there a difference between, say, most outstanding and most valuable player? I know that... You know, Mike DeCourcy wrote an article kind of ripping the polls, and, and then we've seen that fall back the last couple of years because our votes aren't public and people were doing the, the, these Heisman pundit things that are gone. But, John, just as a general thought, how have you always viewed your vote? Well, I, I, think, I think it matters. I think each vote matters. Um, Amen. And, and the thing, when I, when I, when I pick or, or ask someone, beyond the electorate it's someone that i know very well it's someone that i trust uh it's someone that i i believe i have come to believe through knowing that person will do a good job and so you know i I want someone who's conscientious i want someone who is um serious about it uh someone who is uh treats the heisman with the with the according reverence that it deserves and that's that's how i've always looked at my vote so that's that's the standards that I use when I'm picking another voter or when I'm asking somebody if they want to do it, such as yourself or any of the other voters. If 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 I feel like they're not going to do as as thorough and uh, conscientious a job evaluating, you know, the the highest uh, numbers, the statistics, the opponents, the games, the performances then I, I won't, I mean, I'll consider them, but I, I will ultimately go with someone else who I trust will do a good job. And that's, so, so there's a great correlation there. I want the, 20, the other 21 voters to take the same attitude to, toward their Heisman vote that I have toward mine. Love it. What was the experience like? Now, this wasn't the first year you went to the Heisman Trophy ceremony, right? Correct. I covered the uh, 2004 season when uh, Adrian Peterson finished second and Jason White finished third. I actually voted Jason uh, first that year. Wow. As I, I voted him, you know, he, he won it in 2003, and I voted for him to repeat in 2004. He finished third behind Adrian and Matt Leinart. Uh, and then, of course, they showed down, showed off in the uh, um, championship game, the VCS title game, the Orange Bowl. And then I went back in 2008 when Sam Bradford beat Colt McCoy and Tim Tebow. And so I've, having been there twice, um, you know, it's changed a little bit. They've evolved the process. They've evolved the weekend, the Heisman weekend a little bit. But uh, having been there twice, I kind of knew what to expect uh, going up there with Baker. And uh, it, it did not disappoint. So three straight years, Baker finishes in the top five, finally wins it in his final year. Uh, John, I'm not real big until the final chapter is written. And, you know, for Sooner fans, you hope there's two more games. But, uh, again, can you take me through the experience seeing Baker go through this? You, you've obviously covered this Oklahoma team from a lot of really cool perspectives, from being its beat writer to being a columnist to now being a radio host and in that to a columnist for Sporting News and what you do for our, our uh, flagship, the franchise's website as well, too. How fun has it been? How unique how it ha- has it been? What's it been like covering and seeing Baker Mayfield win this ultimate award? Uh, well, you know, I didn't think Baker was a Heisman um a strong Heisman contender uh, going in. Like uh, I thought he was a, like a top five kind of guy, but someone who was going to be a bridesmaid again this year. I, I didn't think he was a, a favorite, a strong Heisman favorite. And in evaluating the, 
of performances all year long, I determined that he was easy, easily, Chris, easily the most consistent performer throughout the season, throughout the 13 games that he played. And by consistent, not just someone who was, you know, hey, he, you know, t- led his team to victory, blah, 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 you know, like Bueller, Bueller, boring and consistent. He was spectacularly consistent. He made spectacular plays routinely. And that's rare to do when you got a guy like Lamar Jackson who is so good at what he does, spectacular. Khalil Tate out in Arizona, so spectacular. You you also look for not just the spectacular, but the spectacularly consistent. Nobody achieved what Baker on that level achieved what Baker Mayfield did this year. And so that's that was my process for voting for him. And it was easy because the the kid loves playing football. He loves his teammates. He loves the University of Oklahoma, and he obviously loves his family. And when you put all that together and you mix it up, it's like it's like throwing a match in some gunpowder or something and, and <laughs> expecting, you know, wow, I wonder what's going to happen when I do this. Well, Baker Mayfield happens. He's he's just that much fun to watch, and the 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 passion that he showed and the reverence that he showed, you know, again, two ends of the spectrum there, passion and reverence for the Heisman Trophy and the right. way he comported himself in New York City all weekend was, uh, I thought he hit it out of the park. I thought he was just perfect. John, two more questions and I'll let you run. First, you know, maybe we should explain the process just so everyone's clear and how it has evolved because you pick the voters, the 22 from Oklahoma, you have uh, broken into different regions, but it's no longer the old school way of mailing a ballot. Uh, it's now internet-based, web-based. You basically go to a website, enter your three picks, and they have the finalists about two hours afterwards. But there was one change this year. I was curious if you liked it. Did you like kind of pushing back when they opened up the polls? Yeah, I did. Uh, three weeks, there's no reason to have the polls open. When when you can tabulate the votes in two hours, there's no reason to have the, the polls open for three weeks. Uh, so the, the more the, – the, the, closer the tighter the window you have uh the more games that voters have to evaluate and that's that's what i that starts to i remember when i first started doing this when i when i first became a heisen voter in 98 half the ballots would be sent in before the conference championship games were played wow. and i'm thinking why are you guys sending your ballots in there are still games to be played you remember it's it, that uh some of what some of that occurred last year with lamar jackson absolutely where, he was so spectacular for so long. Everybody's like, "Well, I don't care what anybody else does. I'm sending my balance in." And then he throws four interceptions, and then the, and the team loses. And the following week, he throws three interceptions, and the team loses. And you're thinking, "Wait a minute, I'd like to have my Heisman Trophy." <laughs> nope, sorry, you already sent it in. But it did. It used to be a, a little card, a little postcard that you could write your name on, or yeah, you had to write your name on. You had to write uh, the, your three candidates in, and then put a stamp on it, and then put it in an envelope and send it back to New York City. That's the way this thing has evolved now to where uh, Deloitte is able to tabulate these things within literally hours. And they get, they get hundreds of votes, 929 ballots uh, this year. And uh, they get hundreds of votes at the last minute. And they're just bang, 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 you know, That's and great. they're able to turn around immediately your three finalists. Were we 22 for 22 this year again? Uh, I don't know that information oh. until the um, until I communicate later on in ah. the year with uh, Tim Henning from the Heisman Trophy Trust. We've had uh, six, I think six consecutive years of, of uh, twenty-two for twenty-two, 
Uh, hopefully this year would be seven. Maybe this year would be six. I'd have to go back and check my records. But um, I do know this. Uh, when the final votes were tabulated, 929 voters, including the fan vote, so 928 actual ballots, uh, and I think the number was the actual number submitted was like 890 something. Oh wow! Yeah, 898 or something like that, close to that. So some people, there were 30 ballots that didn't get don't get it in this year. Yeah, and I just I don't understand what in the world are you doing? Is uh, what's the next big change? I know Gary Beban didn't go this year. There's an incredible article out there in USA Today uh, about that his son I think had written. Uh, there was Sports some, Illustrated, right? Thank you. I'm sorry, John. Sports Illustrated. Uh, there was obviously some outspoken concern about maybe the way in which the trust was given back. In your opinion, what's the next step? Does this become a little bit of a bigger story over the next couple of years? Yeah, it's it's going. The, the Heisman faces some challenges. That's one, in my opinion. That's challenge number one. Is that a lot of the former winners, Gary Beeman, for instance? This was his 50th anniversary. And they actually held a little ceremony to honor him, and he protested and sat out because uh, they, the, Heisman, the Heisman winners want a greater representation on the Heisman board. The board of uh, the board of trustees um, does not consist of any former Heisman winners, and they want a bigger voice uh, in what the, the Heisman Trust does with its with its actual monetary assets. Uh, they produce, I think, they were uh, something like four hundred thousand dollars in the red last year. You know, they brought in so much and they gave away so much. Uh, it was a small amount, you know, comparatively speaking. But uh, then you look and see that they have assets of something like $17 million or $19 million. The former players want a greater voice as to what happens to that money and how it's invested and how it's distributed to charities. Um, they also want uh, more decision-making abilities. Um, I don't think they want, like, more, like... Uh, one of the, I think it was Johnny Rogers in the article that said he, there was, you know, name, image, and likeness has become the legal term that has been thrown around. Um, and so I think there might be some of that going around. I don't want to put a cast a bad light on it, but right. the way to describe it is guys are kind of have their hand out a little bit. And you see former players, old players, guys who may be struggling with their health care situation or maybe struggling with their health at this stage of their lives. They're asking. They're not asking for a handout. They're asking to be compensated for the use of their name, image, and likeness, just like what's going on in the courts right now with the Ed O'Bannon case and the EA Sports case and all that on and on. So I kind of get that as well. I mean, those guys. You know, if there's 19 million dollars uh, sitting in a in a trust fund somewhere, then maybe the, the players who helped build this thing um, deserve a cut of that. I, I think that's a, that's a possible um, evolution for the Heisman next step, and then. You saw the ratings, uh, 1.5 rating for Baker Mayfield. I think the, the total viewership, I don't know if it's been released yet, but I think that equates to something like 2.4 million people. The lowest viewership of all time for wow. a Heisman um, televised Heisman ceremony. And that just blows my mind. I mean, I, I feel bad for Baker Mayfield, but there's there's a couple of reasons for that. Without getting too deep into it, more people, people want to see uh, the Heisman represent character and integrity and that kind of thing and a couple of the recent votes um a couple of the recent winners have have not reflected that and then of course you've got the whole thing about the lack of um the lack of uh suspense the lack of drama everybody knew baker mayfield was going to win it so why watch the ceremony then you've got the whole thing about espn draws out a whole hour-long production for a two-minute announcement i get that too 
Um, I would like to see, and, and in the Twitter age, the social media age, we want our information. We want our data and our, our results and our poll results. We want them now. We don't want to have to wait an hour and sit through uh, an hour of television to get our, our data and our information and our poll results. And so people are tuning out. It's uh, it's the younger generation, Chris. It's uh, me and you are becoming the get off my lawn guys. <laughs> uh, where where uh, we're like, no, no, it's good. I'm willing to watch an hour of TV to see who the Heisman winner is, but a lot of this generation is not. And to wrap things up, I caught up this week with Trey Young. What a stud. Already being viewed as the top player in college basketball by NBC. I just talked to him about the adjustment from the high school game to the college game. Uh, it's been fun. I mean, it's a new experience for me. Um, I mean, college is, is a lot tougher than the, the high school level, but <laughs> especially on the academic side. But it's, it's been fun. Uh, I, love, I love trying new things, and this has definitely been a new, new experience for me. All right, well, let's, uh, let's go back to the start. Let's go back to the day when you decided that you were going to stay in Norman after a great high school career with Norman North, and you're going to be a Sooner. Uh, you've been asked the question a thousand times, so I'll just mm-hmm. go ahead and post it again. What, what led you back, or what led you to stay home and led you to be a Sooner? Um, just basically the, just knowing what to expect coming in. Um, I mean, I, I love being able to have the opportunity to play for a coach like Coach Kruger and have the teammates that I have around me. Um, I mean, this is just... Um, it's an experience that I, I couldn't pass up, and um, being able to stay home and represent not only my city, but the state of Oklahoma was, was something that I love. You know, we, we see the, the video here with your entire family. That matters a lot to you, right? To be able to be right down the street from mom and, uh, and your little brother. I mean, the family factor mattered a lot, didn't it? Yeah, that's, that's, that's a big thing. That's a big reason why, another big reason why I stayed home. I mean, it's amazing that I can drive five minutes down the road and go visit my family or uh, go watch my sisters play their volleyball and my little brother play his sports and, <laughs> and do his little thing. So it's, it's awesome that I get to experience those things and they get to be, be on this journey with me. So, so we talked the school side of things, but from a basketball perspective, you've had a great start. Obviously, you were able to kind of matriculate in a little earlier with the overseas trip, and that helps. Has it been what you expected on the court so far with Division One hoops? Uh, it definitely has. Um, I mean, luckily I've been in a position to, to be able to talk to a lot of athletes who have been in this um, I mean, been through all of this college uh, experience, and I've been able to, to pick their brains and, and just know what to expect a lot, a lot quicker than a lot. I mean, I feel like a lot of other kids, um, I mean, are able to to to, to grab a hold of, and um, so I, I I knew what to expect a little bit more, and uh, that definitely has helped me. Do you have a limit to your range? In other words, as soon as you step across yeah. half court, I mean, could we even get one maybe before you step across <laughs> half court? Where is your range endless, I guess, is a good way to put it. I mean, I don't know if Coach would, <laughs> would, would allow me to do that or I'd be, be sitting on the bench right next to him for a little bit. But, no, I, I don't, to be honest, I really don't even think about where I'm shooting, uh, which could be a good or a bad thing. <laughs> but uh, I, I, I really just shoot if I know, I mean, how far I am and, uh, if I feel like I can knock it down from where I'm at, I mean, I'm going to shoot it. And, um, I mean, Coach gives me, I mean, with, with a great amount of confidence um, so to do that, and which is good. What's the process been like for you getting comfortable with your teammates? Obviously, I love the automatic name yeah. that you gave Brady because that fits with him when he's <laughs> shooting the ball. But obviously with guys like Cam and mm-hmm. obviously getting Christian Doolittle back and seeing the progression that we have saw from Christian James, what's that process been like integrating yourself with your team? Uh, it's, it's, it's great. Um, I mean, it makes it a lot easier that these guys have been around me and I've been able to, I mean, come in the summer and play pickup with these guys and 
Uh, so, I mean, just knowing them before I even got on campus was, made it a lot easier. Um, but they, I mean, they've been playing outstanding um, so far this season. And, um, I mean, Brady coming in and, and filling the role for Dew while he's been out. And, um, I mean, Cam, Christian knocking down shots. And Kadeem and Jamani playing really well down low. I mean, it's, it's, been, it's been great so far. And uh, we can't wait to get Dew back. And, um, get it going with him. In, in bringing that, uh, just the idea of, of your game fitting in with what's here, and obviously Brady coming in as a true freshman as well too, how's that been with Coach Kruger and, and helping you kind of understand what he expects and what he needs and, and kind of in making sure everyone's on the same page? What's he been like for you? Uh, he's, been, he's been amazing for me. Um, he's helped me through all of this. and um, I mean, I feel like the, the summer trip really helped a lot because uh, just in those, those three games or four games we played, uh, I was able to adjust to how he wanted his point guard to play, how he wanted me to manage the game, and how he wanted me to get everybody involved. And I mean, just a time for us to, to bond, um, not only off the court, but but uh, I mean, not only on the court, but off the court as well. And so that was fun. Boy, that, that's a great point too, because you want to get to know personalities as well. So how key was that for you, Trey, as a newcomer? Already had a good comfort level because, as you mentioned, you played pickup ball with some of these guys before in the past. But to be able to have that time off the court, and you know, basketball is a little bit different because sometimes you'll go in the day of a game. But to really have that time away from the court early, that was pretty key, wasn't it? It was. It was big key. It was a big key for us, especially um, with us being so young and me and Brady um, coming in, just just trying to figure out. I mean, how each other are. I mean, uh, off the court. Uh, because I feel like when the bond is, is really strong off the court, it really helps us on the court, so that was good. All right, uh, one of the biggest changes that you can notice, we, we saw the video earlier of your announcement, and then, of course, watching you play here, is your body already, and you get into that strength and conditioning program. I know you've always been a guy that's been working out and working on your shot, but how much has, have, do you feel like you've changed physically, Trey? Uh, I feel like I've changed uh, tremendously coming in. Um, I mean, coming in, I was... I was I'm not the biggest guy still, but I was I was a lot smaller than I am now, and uh, we have a really good strength um, strength guy in Bryce Dobb, uh, who does a great job with body us. by Bryce, man. Oh yeah, oh yeah, he's the man, he's the man. But he he's definitely built built my body up to be prepared for this season and. Um, I mean, especially this big uh, B12 conference schedule that we're about to come up. You know, everyone knows the story about being a ball boy back in the day mm -hmm. and watching guys like Blake Griffin. Uh, you always want to see the LNC hopping and, and see that energy there. Is it starting to get there a little bit over the last yeah. couple of games? Yeah, I can definitely feel that energy coming back. Um, I mean, I know it wasn't just going to be right away, but I mean, the, the progression we've already made in our first few home games, I mean, has been uh, outstanding and uh, it's it's going to, I feel like it's going to get back to the days that I know uh, it can be. When you, obviously, you've grown up in the social media age and you've had people talking about you for your entire life mm -hmm. and your basketball skill, how do you compartmentalize that and not allow that ego to get too big? How, how do you keep that in check? I feel like I have to give a lot of credit to the people around me. I, I keep a, a small circle um, and, I mean, my family and, I mean, coach and, and all those and, I mean, a few people just... They, they keep me level-headed. Um, they always tell me how much I have to get better and uh, continue to work on, on my craft and everything that uh, has gotten me to this point because I haven't made it to, to, to where I want to make it and uh, I have a long ways to go. So, uh, I mean, I just know I have a long ways to go and uh, that, th those people really help me. Let's go three quick rapid-fire non-basketball questions. We've okay. talked too much hoops here, yeah, Trey. Yeah. All I right, when you. Trey's not playing basketball, what's his favorite thing to do? Uh, watch movies. Watch Netflix? Uh, Netflix. I like. I'm like superhero movie. I like oh. Superman. All right. Okay. I'll buy that. <laughs> Favorite meal? Um, 
chicken strips, like canes. Um, can't go wrong with that, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I guess the, the third and most important, uh, you totally won a Heisman like Baker Mayfield did as a quarterback, right? Yeah, yeah. I was <laughs> definitely throwing deep bombs. I don't know if I can throw it as far as Bake, but uh, I was throwing some deep bombs back in the day. Back in the day. <laughs> yeah, uh, Toby did submit one question. He was wanting to know how free throw practice has gone this week. Uh, free throw practice is going good. I'm so mad I missed three free throws in my last game, but I, I got to get better at that. Gotta get better no, at that. no, no, man. We appreciate you, appreciate Trey. Great it. job as always. Congratulations Thank on the you. great start. Thank well, that'll do it for the Sooner Sports Podcast on this Friday. Hope everyone has a great week. Next week, we start going all in on understanding the Georgia Bulldogs, our opponent in the Rose Bowl. Have a great week. Until then, this is Chris Plank saying Boomer Sooner, everybody. This has been the Sooner Sports Podcast. Make sure to get all the latest episodes online right now at Soonersports.tv slash podcast. And make sure to follow us on Twitter at OU on the air. Have you ever wondered how to say good morning in Italian? Or what is goodbye in French? You can ask Alexa. Just say what is happy birthday in German? Or how do you say hello in Japanese? Do you want to know how to say I love you in Spanish? Ask Alexa and start learning a new language today.